Who's up for a ride-along with Ryer version of instant analysis on what has become a rainy Thursday afternoon in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? We don't know what to do with ourselves here in West Central Alabama right now. We're not used to this liquid, this precipitation that's falling from the sky here on a Thursday afternoon, fresh from the media viewing periods, by the way, at Alabama football practice. The Crimson Tide in full pads and inside the Hank Crisp indoor facility. A good day to be inside regardless uh, because practice temps uh, at the time of entry for the media for Thursday's practice, it was probably 96, 97 with a real feel probably somewhere around 105. So uh, just based on the heat alone, you had some concerns, but then uh, some, some uh, rain showers here. Not so much thunderstorms, we're not getting any lightning or anything like that, but uh, we'll take what we can get because the yard at Casa de Ryer, it wasn't even greenish on the on the level of maybe a, a fairway at Royal Litham over in Scotland. It was more along the lines of the rough. It was getting that, uh, that, that deadish, yellowish look to it. So we'll take all the rain we can get. Alabama in there today. Uh, in terms of injuries of note, we didn't see Chris Owens at all uh, at today's practice. Um, everybody else seemed to be accounted for. Saw DJ Dale. If you've been keeping up with Charlie Potter's practice reports at BamaOnline.com in the last couple of days, you kind of have a good feel for sort of the roll call at workouts during the bye week. Uh, you know, guys like Terrell Lewis are out there. Uh, you, know, you got veterans like Anthony Jennings, a fifth-year senior. You know, some of the workload is being managed for some of those guys this week. Uh, but it looked like defensively starting to take a closer look at next week's opponent, week from Saturday opponent in Texas A&M there in College Station. So we did see some nickel package work while we were inside there today. Uh, no big changes there. Shane Carter still working at the star position. Uh, Sertan and Diggs at the corners. Um, you had uh, your safeties, of course, Jared Maiden and Xavier McKinney with your inside linebackers, Christian Harris and Shane Lee. Now, as far as the twos go, we saw some DeMarco Hellams at safety with the twos in the nickel today. Uh, we saw, or at least I thought, I was pretty sure I saw Jordan Battle getting some reps, uh, maybe at the star position, maybe something to keep an eye on. Uh, if you're uh, thinking ahead a little bit, who knows? Maybe who knows how far that might be down the road. Because Jordan Battle's a guy like Xavier McKinney. You can just see him at so many different positions, whether it's safety, whether it's star, whether it's money in the dime. You know, this is a talented young guy, a very smart, you can tell, uh, instinctive player uh, who is becoming more and more of a fixture there in that Alabama secondary. And Alabama defense, as you've heard in the last couple of days, really needs to improve. Uh, getting off the field, third downs have been an issue in SEC play to this point, games against South Carolina and Ole Miss. Alabama has struggled, especially early in games. You know, you wonder how these play counts and these snap counts for teams elevate like they do. Well, when you start games like Ole Miss last Saturday by allowing four of six third down conversions to an offense working behind a revamped offensive line with a true freshman at quarterback, you know, that tends to lead to a longer afternoon than you would like for your defense. And Alabama, in SEC play only to this point, the two games, just South Carolina and Ole Miss, Alabama ranks 12th in the league in third down conversions allowed uh, in two SEC games. So definitely something that this team will look to improve on. Uh, you know Texas A&M 
with the quarterback runs and the potential for that. Kellen Mond will be a big part of that a week from Saturday in College Station. Uh, John Rice Plumley was very successful at times, especially on third downs, using his legs. Converted six third downs against Alabama last Saturday uh, by running the football. So uh, Kellen Mond has become more of a pocket guy probably under Jimbo Fisher than even Texas A&M fans would like. I think Texas A&M fans, I, if I was a Texas A&M fan, I'd want to see more designed runs for uh, for Kellen Mond. I understand big, tall guy, talented arm, uh, but his legs are, are a threat as well. You saw it here in Tuscaloosa last year. He had a couple of runs of 30-plus yards uh, in Alabama's win over the Aggies. So, you know, obviously a point of emphasis for the Alabama defense this week. Other injuries, Will Reichard, you heard on Wednesday, Nick Saban say that Will Reichard hopefully might be able to get back into the swing of things, the leg swing of things, I guess you could say, uh, beginning next week. Not going to do much with that hip flexor. Uh, that's a very wise approach for a kicker and a punter because a hip flexor is something that can become a much bigger issue and one that can keep a kicker and a punter type uh, out for an extended period of time, if not managed correctly. And you know they're going to do that uh, at Alabama with Will Reichard. So, you know, that was kind of it from an injury standpoint. The offensive line with Deontay Brown back in the mix at offensive guard. You know, during Thursday's practice, we didn't really see full line work. We saw duos. We saw center guard combos, things like that. So, without Chris Owens there, with Chris Owens not there, uh, Landon Dickerson working at center, Emil Echior working at center. You saw Deontay Brown in there at guard, Evan Neal at guard, um, Pierce Quick in there at guard. So even without Chris Owens, an impressive looking group there on the interior during Thursday's practice. I spent some time with the quarterbacks. Uh, it's one and one. You can shoot one period, watch one period on days like today. So I shot the quarterbacks. We'll have video of Tua Tonga Vailoa, Mac Jones. They're impressive just about every day, but I think in just about the two-plus minutes of video I got of those guys, I don't think a ball, maybe one ball hit the ground. And I'm talking about all the quarterbacks. The four the four scholarship guys, a couple of three walk-ons that are in there, um, they, they look to be in really good shape during the bye week, the quarterbacks. Um, Henry Ruggs III, interesting uh, in that, you know, we saw him during drills today. Looked like he was running some routes uh, but at one point, kind of went off to the side. So you know that Henry Ruggs III in that win over Ole Miss uh, had the hip pointer issue, came back in the second quarter, played, didn't seem to be quite himself uh, after that. And um, we've seen him on the practice field this week. Didn't look like he was doing a whole lot earlier in the week. Um, looked like he tried to do a little bit today, but uh, maybe not uh, to the point of being full go just yet for Henry Ruggs III. So there you go, from an injury perspective, kind of updating things at some positions of note. That's what I've got for you on this bye week Thursday. I know you're ready for a lot of football. Uh, regardless, you got some big games in the SEC, most notably the Auburn Tigers and the Florida Gators. That will be a very interesting game Saturday afternoon in Gainesville, Florida. Um, Auburn playing well right now, Florida playing okay. Kyle Trask stepping in there at quarterback for the injured Felipe Franks. I think with Trask, Florida has an opportunity to take advantage of one of their biggest strengths, and that's their wide receiver core. Um, the problem for Florida in this game is going to be can it protect? Can it protect Kyle Trask and can it run the football uh, with any type of consistency against this Auburn front seven? Kind of the same questions for Auburn too. 
Um, that Auburn offensive line appears to be improved, but uh, Florida has the people in the front seven uh, that can make for some problems for Bo Nix and Booby Whitlow and the rest of that Auburn offense on Saturday. What do you got for me on this Thursday? Jeffrey asking about Jalen Waddell. Um, you know, I think it's interesting because it really was a situation a year ago where an injury to Devontae Smith kind of coincided with Waddle starting to emerge as that fourth receiver in 2018. So with this situation with Henry Ruggs, and again, seeing him at practice this week, seeing him today in there trying to do some things, you're led to believe that it's not an issue that's going to be long-term for him to deal with. Um, but that's the luxury you have with a guy like Jalen Waddle. I don't think Jalen Waddle's really struggled. I know Nick Saban talked about the need for more consistency. I think if you ask Nick Saban about 90% of his roster, he's going to say many of the same things he said about Jalen Waddle, especially a guy who's a freshman or a sophomore. So I get that that's probably uh, something that legitimately Waddle's trying to, you know, uh, a level of maturity he's trying to reach. But look, if this guy gets more opportunities, regardless of how they come about, nothing's changed in terms of the talent and the skill set. I mean, you can see it. He had a big mistake on the punt return uh, against Ole Miss. We know that. But, um, you know, if this guy's needed to do more, I think you'll see it. You'll you'll see it show up statistically. Joey, I, I, don't, I don't think that Deontay's to that point quite yet of working with the ones at offensive guard. I think the fact, though, that you saw him – you know, pretty early rotating in there with that first-team offense against Ole Miss tells you that, you know, he's kind of 5B in terms of the starting five. You know, he's that sixth guy, especially on the interior. Probably more of a guy like Matt Womack when you talk about the tackle positions. But Deontay Brown is – he's going to play. And um, I think they're in a great spot, though, with those three guards uh, and the fact that they feel confident enough with one of those guys – to move him to center and Landon Dickerson if it comes down to it. Um, and Emil Echior is still in that mix. So they're in a good spot. I, I don't know if it's going to be a situation where Deontay Brown just jumps in there uh, with the first-team offense and starts against Texas A&M a week from Saturday, but I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case either. Wendy asking about the Clemson Tigers, and are the Clemson Tigers overrated this year? They're vulnerable. I don't know if they're overrated. Um, I think right now, one or two, I still see this thing as Alabama-Clemson 1-2. And obviously Alabama moving into that number one spot for the 12th year in a row. That's just a crazy stat. I think, I think that may be the stat that we don't talk about enough, that when this is all over and five years after it's over this run, we're going to look back and say, you know, that stretch of 12, 13, how many ever years this thing goes, with Nick Saban being number one at some point in a season, I think that may be the most impressive stat of all. I mean, that's nuts. You know, just being a top five. I remember when Florida State used to be a top five program pretty much every year, and FSU would make a big deal out of the fact. Top five team for the 10th straight year. I mean, we're talking about reaching number one for 12 straight years. But, you know, Clemson showed some vulnerability. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They had to replace a lot on both lines of scrimmage. I think that's been a little bit of an issue. Um, Trevor Lawrence, the expectation was that he was going to be the guy he was in Santa Clara every game. I think that was that was probably overrated as much as anything. The talk that, well, man, give me Trevor Lawrence over Tua Tonga-Vailoa if I got the choice. Well, 
You know, I, I think that was maybe a little much. I think Trevor Lawrence is elite, uh, but I'm taking Tua Tagovailoa right now if it comes down to it. Aaron, those young linebackers, they're a work in progress. I wrote about them yesterday and what Saban said and what we think it means. You can still find that on the website at BamaOnline.com. You know, it's kind of the up and downs that you're going to take with two inside linebackers. You know, it'd be one thing if you had some guys working on the edge, and you would be exposed a little bit there too because in the perimeter game, things like that where you have to be stout and set edges, you know, that's where guys like King Wakuda and some of the young outside linebackers, they still got to get there. But, man, you can't hide inside linebackers in today's football. Um, you know, Rolando McClain in 2007, he had the same type of ups and downs that Shane Lee is enduring right now, and Rolando McClain had less on his plate than Shane Lee has right now in terms of how offense is played in football. You know, in 2007, 12, 13 years ago, you know, offenses might have sort of three formations, four formations, something like that. And, you know, kind of a limited playbook uh, in terms of the runs and the passes. There wasn't an RPO, put it that way. In 2007, you didn't really see much RPO, did you? Well, think about it now and the conflict that 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 element of offensive football today puts linebackers in. So it's just tougher in 2019. And when you try to do it with two true freshmen, Nick Saban talked about this on Wednesday, you can't expedite the experience factor. You know, and I give Shane Lee and Christian Harris a lot of credit. I mean, they, they, look, they look a lot more um, poised and in it than I think a lot of guys would at this point. It's just going to take some time. What else do we have today on this rainy, not used to saying that, rainy afternoon in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? By the way, this will upload to the uh, Built by Bama online podcast feed. So wherever you do your podcasting, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Google Play, whether it's Megaphone, Stitcher, uh, you're going to be able to find this there. And we'd appreciate you subscribing to the podcast if you don't mind. Maybe leave a... Uh, leave a review while you're there. Yeah, healthy Terrell Lewis, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you get a you get a 100% healthy uh, Terrell Lewis in this mix, and it helps a lot. And to go along with Anthony Jennings, who I think, I think Anthony Jennings, for everything he's trying to cover for as an outside linebacker, he's been All-American good so far. Um, you know, he's trying to maintain the edge as an outside linebacker, but you're seeing him make some plays that help those inside linebackers, especially on some of the zone read stuff, the RPO look stuff, the run portion of that. Uh, he's been outstanding. But Terrell is is kind of at that point where you know you're just trying to get what you can get out of him for now. And I think that as much as anything will be situationally. You know, third down we talk about the need to get off the field. That's where you got to have guys like Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings, Raquan Davis. You know, they have to be big factors in the pass rush. Andrew wants to talk about the next Alabama coach. He's wanting to talk about uh, potential replacements for Nick Saban down the road. I would say just enjoy this run for as long as you possibly can. It's going to get here soon enough. Um, but it will be very, I mean, obviously. Uh, it, it will be, I don't know if it'll quite match the same level as uh, as when uh, Paul Bryant stepped aside, but 
shoes to fill from a football coach standpoint, yeah, it's going to be on that level. Um, had a question about Josh Job. You know, Job looks to be working his way back into the mix. Um, gave up a play against Ole Miss um, down the field late. Uh, but I would say right now he's he is that uh, he's the third corner, even if he's not in the nickel package with that first group right now. In terms of just third corner, he's still probably that guy. Now, you got Jalen Armour Davis working in that group, Scooby Carter, Marcus Banks. So there's some other guys in that mix as well. Christian Barmore question. I think the Christian Barmore question, by the way, y'all are slipping, no Ben Davis yet. Um, I think the Christian Barmore question is going to take over the uh, the Ben Davis question. No, um, Christian Barmore, we really didn't see against Ole Miss. I think that surprised some people, but if you listen to Nick Saban and some of the comments he made, um, I think even in the week leading up to Ole Miss, he's, again, young player, consistency, whatnot. And that's that's the bottom line. It, it's, it, it's a trust issue. Um, you know, and I've said it before, young guys like Christian Barmore that are trying to figure out what will get them on the field, you know, which guy to sort of emulate. Uh, we talked about Anthony Jennings earlier. That's a veteran that I would kind of watch everything that guy does. Um, because just flashing and making a play or two uh, when you're in there and mop-up time, that isn't what gets you on the field. It's Monday through Friday that gets you on the field. Yeah, Ben Ben Davis did play. Had a couple. Ben Davis had a couple chances for some – some takeaway uh, or some big plays. You know, he was right there on the punt block by Ali Caho. What a play by Ali Caho. Great block. He deserved that touchdown, by the way. Uh, and Ben Davis was in the mix on that. And then uh, I think Ben nearly had, could have had a pick six that uh, those who had Alabama minus 37 and a half probably would have liked. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nice game. Yeah, I think, I think that's where Ben's at right now, especially, you know, with guys like Terrell Lewis and, you know, Anthony Jennings during a week like this, you know, not being as, as worked as much, you know, pitch count is a, a, is a factor. Um, so it's an opportunity for a guy like Ben Davis this week to, to definitely work with the twos and in that first couple of groups. Michael, we haven't seen Ishmael Softshire this year, the true freshman defensive lineman and you know I think like a lot of first year linemen especially whether it's the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball um, you, you got kind of a split now you do see guys like Justin Aboigby and DJ Dale and Byron Young that come in and play early but then you still got guys like Braylon Ingram who we did see against Ole Miss late um, Ismail Softshire we all know the the uh, situation involving Antonio Alfano uh, there's guys that need time, and I think Ishmael Softshire is one of those guys. I think physically, um, you know, didn't benefit from coming in in January like a Boigby and DJ Dale did. Um, but you've got time. You, know, you don't need Ishmael Softshire right now. Yeah, it would be nice uh, if he were at that same level as DJ Dale. Uh, but as much as anything, you just need the injuries to leave what you got alone. You know, I think Josh McMillan for a six-year, I would think he would be a legitimate candidate for that. Um, you know, I, it would be worth a shot. It's something you would do after the season. Um, you know, you miss him right now. That, that's when you miss him. I mean, the thing about if Josh McMillan gets a six-year is 
where you're investing all these reps into Shane Lee and Christian Harris and even Ali Caho and you know you're probably thinking those are the guys next year that are going to take that step forward and you know there's also Dylan Moses to consider I know a lot of people figure that he'll just go ahead and make the move to the National Football League but it's a possibility at least that Dylan Moses could come back um, you know so if Josh McMillan absolutely wants to play another year and be a part of the program it would probably I would think be something worth exploring um, but you're gonna have some guys coming in here too Jackson Bratton Des Moines Kennedy coming in really good-looking player uh, twitch type player at the linebacker position so you know kind of a we'll see wait and see type situation you know, Michael, we haven't heard anything else about Antonio Alfano in that situation, about whether or not he's in the transfer portal. My understanding is, is that he's still in Tuscaloosa. So I don't think he's gone home to New Jersey or, you know, that, that part of the country or anything like that. Right now, I don't think anybody knows for sure. He's just not, he's not at practice. I can tell you that. All right, gang, I guess we'll wrap it up. We got Atlanta Braves baseball. Anybody got a Braves score update since I've been doing this? What are the Braves looking like? Last I checked, it was zip, zip, bottom of the first from uh, SunTrust. But uh, we got our Braves taking on the Cardinals in the NLDS. Uh, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us for the ride-along. We're not actually riding, by the way. Obviously, I'm not driving. Um, we're just trying to find a place to do the do the instant analysis today because you had women's basketball in Coleman Coliseum. So I went to go outside and do it on sort of that outdoor concourse level. And here comes the rain. I think it was here comes the sun that George Harrison was singing, but it was rain today. So here we are right along version of instant analysis. Hey, enjoy your bye week weekend. We got plenty of coverage for you at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter with those practice reports and player updates along with Kirk McNair. Um, I'm going to have some quarterback video for you tonight on the website. Uh, and as always, the Built by Bama online podcast that you can access as well. Thanks again. Thank you for supporting BamaOnline.com. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll check back in with you Monday following the uh, media viewing periods at the first practice of the week, first official practice of the week for Texas A&M. So long, everybody.